Streaming has gotten way too complicated, but you can hack the system with Prime Video. It has everything in one app with one password. See Roadhouse, Giannis, The Marvelous Journey, and the National Women's Soccer League, all included with Prime. Plus, you can buy Premier Boxing or stream the NHL and NBA playoffs on Max with the Bleacher Report Sports add-on or add Paramount Plus for the Masters on CBS. Prime Video. It's all your favorite content in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Feeling like you need a punch of energy? Enter wonderful pistachios. I love them. The snack that packs a protein punch. And the best part, they come in so many flavors and so many sizes. Whether you're on the go or chilling at home, wonderful pistachios, they're the go-to snack for me. Here's the real kicker, the protein. These little wonders are one of the highest protein nuts out there. Just one ounce serves up a whopping six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. So visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. I love them. Thanks for listening to the Best of Herd Podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 12 to 3 Eastern, 9 to noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and FS1. Find your local station for the Herd at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Herd. This is the Best of the Herd with Colin Cowher on Fox Sports Radio. What up? Welcome in. This is... The Herd, wherever you may be and however you may be making this part of your day. Thanks so much. I'm Doug Gottlieb, in for Colin Cowherd. And for the next three hours, we'll be talking sports and some other stuff, right? Uh, We're in this weird kind of waiting game. You know, weird kind of waiting game in terms of There's no NBA Finals yet, although it's set. There's nothing really NFL. Baseball, it just feels like we're making it up to try and talk about it. This is just like, like, look, Colin's smart, man. If you're going to take a week off and go see Reykjavik, uh, do it in these next couple days. By the way, C-Man will be back on Friday getting you ready for uh, reacting to NBA Finals Game 1. So, look, I, I'm i fascinated by the psychology backflips that Mike Malone is trying to pull off, right? Because up until this point, he was the nobody pays attention to us guy, right? Nobody, nobody pays attention to us. And it got to the point where you're like, dude, we, we hear you already. And I think the greatest support story you have for the media not paying attention to the Nuggets is there's nothing else going on. There's nothing else going on at all. Okay. 
And um, now there's nothing else going on, but the NBA Finals are set. The Denver Nuggets are in the NBA Finals. They've been nothing short of incredibly impressive. They have been the best team in the playoffs. It's not really close. And yet, I mean, what are we talking about here? And, and I understand it's hard to make up storylines when they don't yet exist. We don't yet see the matchups. Tyler Hero is going to come back and play. Does that help or screw up the Miami Heat? Ah, you know, I don't know. But but I found the, the backflips that Mike Malone did yesterday to be really interesting. Here's the Nuggets head coach talking about the Heat being an eight seed in this series. Forget the eight seed stuff. They beat Milwaukee four to one. Team had the most wins in the NBA this year. Uh, they beat Boston four to three, and they're up three zero. Team with I think the second most wins in the NBA this year. So, uh, you get to the NBA Finals. It's not about seeding anymore. So you're trying to win the first NBA championship in franchise history. And it's going to be the hardest thing that we've ever done, which is the way it should be. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, and I understand what he's saying, which is like it, it doesn't matter. And this is back when you go to the NCAA tournament. It's like, look, seed number doesn't matter. Team starts winning a game. They're playing above their level. And if we're really honest about it, what does the seed mean in the NBA playoffs anyway since the regular season doesn't matter? It does and it does. Is it really a determinant into who's really the best team? Not really. Just like the MVP is a regular season award, the regular season... Uh, the best record in the regular season is a it's a it's completely different sport. Um, I do think home court advantage not only matters, but especially matters in Denver with the altitude and matters with a team that has a couple of as one player that's been there before, albeit in the bubble with KCP. But for the most part, inexperienced at this point of the playoffs. Um, but I but what Mike Malone is doing is he played the underdog card as much as he could. And now he looks down, he's just got a handful of aces. And now he's like, well, you guys think it's easy to play with, you know, aces. Yeah, yo, sure, we're the best team, but seeds don't matter here. I mean, look, it's, it's brilliant. It's not diabolical, right? He's not doing anything sinister here, but it's painfully obvious. We're out of underdog cards now that we're the favorite and it's obvious that everyone expects us to win and to wrap this thing up pretty quickly. Despite all of that, I I can't allow my guys to be complacent, which only shows that all the other stuff he said was clearly psychological nonsense to, to begin with. It, it's like when you, when you have an argument, and I don't know if you guys do this when you're it's like whenever I've been on debate shows, did, I, did you know I was on the debate team in high school, Jason Stewart? I was actually, Tustin High School, we had a, a model UN debate team and I was on the debate team. You've mentioned I that was, before. I, I, I could, was. I could see you. you oh yeah, totally. Yeah, you, uh, but, but it was, you know. It's you like, don't like it, to lose, Doug, and you like to talk over people. So that sounds like a debate tactic. What'd you say? I couldn't hear you. I, you was, I was thinking about what I was going to say. It's actually, actually, in debates, I don't, like to talk over people what what i i struggle to do is i find and the way in which i feel like you can win debates is when you find the one falsehood in something someone's saying like they can list 10 things you find the one thing that isn't correct and that's definably incorrect 
and it can bring down all the other arguments, even if they are correct. Right? The other way is to use their argument against them. Use the exact argument and go, okay, if it works for you there, how about here? Those are the two ways in which I like to find ways to win arguments. And the easy way to pick apart this argument that he's making <coughs> is to simply say that, uh, okay, um, then if regular season and seeding don't matter, why did you complain so much about the lack of attention that you got based upon the success of your regular season previously? It it dismantles every part of his uh, of his argument. So look, I think Malone has done. First of all, they're a beautifully coached team. They're a really well coached team, and there is something real to the hey, they haven't played, they won't have played in a week when they played. And as much as the Heat were pushed to seven games, they've had a good recovery time. I think some of it balances out with playing in altitude and being in altitude, and that doesn't make it easier. And the Heat will have a different look and a different rotation, however they choose to use Tyler Hero. But I, I just think like this whole thing is brilliant and yet very easy to see what he's doing. He's been the perceived underdog or tried to build up that they're the underdog the entire time in the playoffs. Nobody believes in us. Nobody watches us. Nobody respects us despite all of our successes. You didn't realize Jokic was that good? Of course not. Nobody watches. He's right. But it's not because we don't think you're good. It's because it's regular season NBA. You're in Denver. You haven't won anything. It just, it doesn't necessarily fit on our radar with all this other stuff going on. But all of a sudden you do the flip to the, no, 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 we're not the favorite now because seeds don't matter. Wait, huh? It mattered when you were the underdog. It doesn't matter when you're the favorite. And yes, they were the underdog going into the Lakers series. The Lakers had the best odds after I think the midway point of the Warriors series, the Lakers had the best odds to get to the NBA Finals. That, of course, makes them a favorite. They were a favorite to beat the Denver Nuggets. So regardless of seed, they were favored. Now the Nuggets are a hefty favorite to win the championship. It's like, ah, seeds don't matter. It's brilliant, but it's so right there in front of you. And I guess the question is, does anybody buy that? Does anybody go like, you know, he's right. Seeds don't matter. Because again, this is where you use his argument against him. Wait, you just said that, you know, you were an underdog. Now, can't you create the same energy of underdog for the Miami Heat? Nobody believes in them. Eight seed, not the favorite, et cetera, et cetera. I'm fascinated by the, the psychology of a coach. And, and it's been relayed to me by other people because I've asked people in basketball, like, why is he, why is he saying these things? Like when they were clearly better than the Lakers, you know, he, he was still saying and making these statements as if they were massive underdogs and they were feeling slighted and nobody pays attention to us. And, and the response I got was like, Hey, you're still got to find ways to motivate your team. You need that. That feels like high school stuff, little kid stuff, but it's true. Like um, the, the, 
It's like they say about comedians, right? The saddest people you'll meet are the funniest people you'll meet. Because comedians are, they're not necessarily hiding. They're trying to work through some all, all the other pain in their life and they do so with humor. Well, I mean, I think the same can be true for confident people or people who you perceive as super confident. Successful, super, the guys that have this, this I mean, like a, a professional athlete. I mean, these guys talk and walk as if, I mean, Jamal Murray, I think I'm one of the best players in the NBA. I don't disagree, but you having to say it and then you having to have your coach basically make you out to be an underdog when you are not tells me that there's some either perceived lack of motivation, I don't think that's what it is, or that the ability to motivate is that you have naysayers. And yeah, we're all competitors. That gets anybody going. But I think even more so at this level, it's the NBA Finals. Why do you need anybody to say anything to you to get you motivated? Because you have some sort of maybe insecurity. And it triggers it and gets you to lock in. Um, The psychology of coaching is really, really interesting. And you would think that at this level, there isn't some psychological warfare you have to play on your own players to make the narrative some sort of negative. But I think apparently that's what Mike Malone and many others feel is needed. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. Don't miss out on any of the NBA playoff action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. 90 seconds, all it takes. Use the code HERD. New customers bet five. That's it, five bucks and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code HERD only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope and y 467 In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise set several generations after the last installment in which apes are the dominant species. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike and embark on a journey that will redefine the planet. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Doug Gottlieb for Collins, The Herd on Fox Sports Radio, the iHeartRadio app. One of the things I love about uh, a lot of the post-career and even 
mid-career podcast and shows that people do is when we were kids, it was the dumb jock, right? And then you hear people, you know, CJ McCollum and you're like, well, that dude's brilliant, right? Um, JJ Reddick, obviously very bright as well. There's so many different athletes current, formerly like, man, they're really bright guys. Brightest dude I ever played with is our next guest. He's the, when he played, he was the president of the NBA PA. Um, he's now, a, he's worked in front office for the Detroit Pistons. And now he's a front office analyst for Stadium. Pat Garrity is going to join us in a moment. Of course, start Notre Dame, 10-year career in the NBA. And I'm fascinated with the, the offseason of so many of these teams. Uh, Pat, thanks so much for, for taking time. Let, let, let's go to the Celtics first. Okay, so last year you go to the finals. Right? Uh, this year you go to the conference finals. And remember, you had a tumultuous coaching change right before the season. If you're in that front office, what do you do? Um, well, the first thing you don't do is you don't trade Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. They're obviously looking to move Tatum. But look, I, you know, I, I think it's really easy to look at that Miami series and particularly how it ended and particularly like poke holes in some of the offensive flaws of that team. Um, because I think that that was the big story was on the offensive end of the floor and say like this group is not the group that's going to win a championship for us. And, and I think that that's an overreaction. I don't think Boston's going to do that. I think that they look at having two guys who play a position and have the skill sets that are, that are, just so in demand in the NBA right now. And the job really for them, I think, is to add more playmaking um, because I think that that's the one thing that they lack. I think that you can make an argument that Marcus Smart, when he's on the floor, is their best playmaker. And it's a, it's a spot, I think, that when they got Brogdon in, they thought you know he could take a large part of that. And, and maybe he didn't play as large of a role as, as they thought. But I think that that's the one area they can improve because, look, they're, they're a premier defensive team. And I think that just their offensive style is so reliant on playing a certain type of way that, that in the playoffs, they need to be able to be successful in other types of ways. Yeah, I, I, it's a great point you bring up. It's like, I know the true point guard is kind of no more in the NBA, but I would also tell you that like Jalen Brown has never been a decision maker in, in the role in which he's placed. Jason Tatum, like those... Brown's a slasher score. Jason Tatum's a pure scorer. And yet the way in which they attack the zone, they're the ones making all the decisions and all the reads. I think as much as the offensive attack was flawed, the personnel making the attack equally flawed. Fair? No, I, I think that's absolutely fair. And I think, look, you, you never try to put a ceiling on a player's growth. And so I think that every summer... Jalen Brown can be focused on improving as a decision maker and a playmaker, but I think we both agree that that's never going to be his strong suit. You know, and, and I think that you can get playmaking outside of the traditional point guard role. I, I think if you look at a lot of teams, what they're able to do with the center position um, is an area where you can get a lot of that. Um, and so I think that I think that you're right. I think neither of those two guys is really going to be the guys that ever are going to be setting anyone up. But I think as they build their team, that's a that's a skill set at whatever position they really need to focus on. Okay, so again, you talked about center. That's like Nikola Jokic, right? Point center, point forward. Damn. How, how do you adjust that? How do you adjust their roster if it's you? 
Well, I think Rob Williams right now, um, that, that to me, he's a really interesting question going forward because when he's on the floor, he brings their defense to another level. I, I think he's, I think he's probably an, maybe an underrated passer, but it doesn't look to me like they've pushed him to kind of expand that part of his game more. He's more of a lob threat at the rim. And so I think the question becomes, if he is your center of the future and he lacks that skill set on the offensive end, are, are you willing to maybe find defense in other areas if you're going to try to go and you know, address the playmaking issue on the offensive end? I, I think it's a hard question because I think he does so much for them defensively. How have the Heat done this? <laughs> I, I, well... Anyone that like is just going to dissect what they did in the playoffs and said, "Yeah, there were signs here," I think is lying to you. <laughs> it's come number one on just incredible, epic shot making. First by Jimmy Butler in their first round series, he averaged thirty seven points and I think shot forty five percent from three. And then I think what Kayla Martin has done, Gabe Vincent, um, that's been really special. I, I, I think that an underrated part of the coaching and what Eric Spolstra was able to do in, in playing zone and, and being able to keep Duncan Robinson on the floor and then having Duncan contribute like he did on the offensive end, not only just shot making, but just spacing. I think that that was, a, that was an underrating coaching move and an area of trust that Eric Spolstra had that I thought was a very fun thing to watch. Yeah, I, listen, I, I think it helped him in, you know, and look, Max Struess is not the greatest defender either. It helps them keep one or even both of them on the floor. And um, because of be, because of how Boston attacked it uh, and because, you know, outs, when, when Al Horford's not in or even when he was in, they're able to allow Bam Adebayo to still protect the rim. Like they kind of got the best of both worlds. They didn't have to have their center come out and cover and they didn't expose their perimeter players who weren't great defenders on the ball. It is, and you know what? And it, as a as a guy, you who watches a lot of college basketball and knows the game way better than the college game better than I do. I think it's always comical to watch NBA teams try to like attack a zone when they when they rarely see it or go against it because you're just like screaming at the TV out what to do and they they never do it. <laughs> moving moving the zone side to side and moving the ball and inevitably like that's what Boston did and that's why it was so successful. If they 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 tried to they tried to isolate individually and attack the zone. The shot clock would run down, and there was no time left for two or three passes to move the zone around. And I, I think that that's one area though that Denver is is going to be able to do. And I'd be surprised if Miami was is going to have much success if they they try to go that route. I would I would tend I would tend to agree with you. All right, let's let's go to the Golden State Warriors. Um, Bob Myers just worn out by Joe Lacob, right? Like there's a story today, 30 texts a day, 30 calls a day or whatever. Is it, I mean, why, why step away? Yeah. And I, and I don't have any particular insight here. Like I'm, I'm following the story and reading it just like everyone else. Like I tend to just take him at his word that look, the spotlight that they've been under and, and what he's done over the last 12 years there you know, takes a toll. And I could totally see him saying, look, I, I still have a lot left in the tank and a lot left to accomplish as an executive in the NBA. And I know if I take a year or two off, I'm going to get to pick any situation I want and compensation is not going to be an issue. And just 
thinking that this is the right time. I, I don't know if I'm going to read too much into it in terms of the conflict or the, you know, personalities, you know, and butting heads with the owner. I, I just tend to take him at his word that is, look, I'm a little burned out and I need some time and I'm going to recharge and, and reemerge somewhere else. So what do you do with that roster, right? You have Draymond, which Steve Kerr said, hey, there's no championship window if we don't have Draymond. Clearly he wants him back. Uh, Clay wants an extension a year early. I don't know how you feel about that. And then you have Jordan Poole with a sizable contract who had a really disappointing year, obviously following the incident with Draymond. Yeah, I think that the other element here is is obviously going to be the new CBA rules and just how punitive it is to be above that second apron. Um, And so, you know, to me... I, I think it's, well, as long as you have Steph there, you bring Draymond back. I think they're going to have to pay to try to get off pool, so I wouldn't be surprised if they did that. And then just try to run it back with the big three and then supplementing with, you know, hopefully undrafted guys, older vets, cheap guys around the roster and, and hoping that you can get it done that way. But I don't, I don't see any imminent breakup of it this summer at all. All right, Lakers. Um, the, it, it worked cause they got Russell Westbrook out of the building, but it didn't work. I don't think if you bring back D'Angelo Russell long-term, you, you got to have somebody else who's a playmaker shot creator, but yeah, I, I, well, I think Austin, I, I think Austin Reeves is that guy. And I think that that's going to be the fascinating thing to watch is because he could, he could be one of those guys in other teams go and structure one of those funky contracts that we saw with, you know, guys like Tyler Johnson and, and those guys back in the day. Poison, uh, poison pill the, contracts, right? Poison, yeah, exactly. Where you, where you, you, you know, not to get into the cap intricacies, but it gets really, it gets really expensive in the out years um, for a team trying to match it. Um, but, but I agree. Like, I, I think that with LeBron, well, like LeBron on the floor is your playmaker. And what he's shown is that number one, if you put, Size around him, they can be an elite defensive team. And if you put shooting around him and just maybe one other guy that if the ball swings to can put it on the floor and make a play and you have two or three other shooters, that they can be a competent offensive team. And, and a team that once you get in the playoffs can win games just because they can be dominant defensively and he can carry a team on the offensive end. But I don't, I don't think he's that guy anymore, Pat. I don't I he, think he... I mean, I just, well, I just don't I, like. Well, we're talking again. We gotta, gotta look forward one more year. He's a year later, whether he comes off of of surgery or comes off of rehab of of the foot. Like the likelihood is, and he, I mean, I don't even think he knows it, right? That's why they wanted Westbrook. He needs somebody else to create shots because he just can't, and he can do it for a limited time, but then at some point he runs out of, out of gas doing it. And even defensively, yeah, I, he's not, he's not the guy he used to be. No, no, no question about that. But, but I think that with him, he's not going to have to play a whole season. And you're going to see him t- strategically take breaks throughout the season where maybe he's going to play 60 games, right, and, and be fresh and ready to go. I agree. If, you, if you're making deep runs and you're playing 40 minutes a game, at some point, like, he's going to run out of gas. But, he, I mean, what did he average for the playoffs? He averaged 25, 9, and 8. On, yeah, look, look, he, he, he had 40 in their last, season. he had 40 in the last game, but they got swept. 
Yeah. Right. But they, they got swept. So uh, I just, you know, and, and I, and people like, why doesn't he go down in the post? He's never been crazy um, comfortable down there. And when he does, he gets tired as anybody who's 38, 39 years old, go to get, you get tired quicker. Right. You know, uh, no I think you know, no question that he's, he's, he's obviously he, he, and you just watch the games. He's much more comfortable. It, like, first of all, in transition, attacking the rim and, and then second facing, facing the defense and attacking and making plays. And if you don't help, like he's just going to physically still overpower guys. Um, all right, the, the coaching hires are interesting. Adrian Griffin, like, I would have thought Milwaukee would go with a guy who had won a title, and there's several that are out there. Instead, Nick Nurse, who's won that title, he goes to Philly. Griffin right now goes to uh, goes to Milwaukee. If you're Phoenix, place you played, place you know well, and you have two stars, you got to figure out their roster, what you do with Chris Paul, what you, you know, you got to, what do you do with DeAndre Ayton? What do you do if you're Phoenix? I'm, you know, and this is not a sexy name, but I'm a big fan of Frank Vogel. Like, I think that he's a guy that you know is always going to be well prepared. Like, you know, and, and the personnel obviously makes the team, but what he was able to do in LA with them on the defensive end of the floor, I think no one could argue about his ability to coach defense. And then I think that there's just a temperament and personality aspect there where he's, you know, a little bit understated, and, and he's not going to grate on the nerves of stars with either being, you know, too emotional, too roller coaster of emotions. Um, I, I think he would be a good choice there. And he's, you know, look, he's not a guy that you win the press conference with, but I think he's a guy that you look 50, 60 games into the season and say, man, he's really doing a good job of that team. I, I, I tend to agree. I, I just, I, I wonder if. You know, you got the Isaiah Thomas factor in there. You got a new owner. Are they looking for a sexy name? Are they looking for a younger name? It's just, you, you really question it. Uh, l- last thing, who do you think wins this series? Oh, wow. I mean, it's, it's not an original answer, but I just think Denver is just going to be able to, even if they're average defensively, they're just going to overwhelm Miami on the offensive end. I, and I think Miami puts up a good fight, and I would surprise, be surprised if they split a game in Denver and went back and and made a good run of it in either game three or four, but I think it's ultimately going to be Denver with just too much offensive firepower. Uh, actually, I, I, I lied. That wasn't the last thing. Victor Webinyama. <laughs> Vic, Victor Webinyama. Okay. I know you haven't broken down all the prospects, but I like he, he checks all these boxes, but there's still so much unknown. You have people going, well, if he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer, it's an, it's an underachievement. Um, is there any way if you're San Antonio, you build a whole new team by trading him? Oh, no, no, no chance. Um, you, because you just have so much control over, over the next 10 years of his career. If he ends up being like a hall of fame type player. And even if he's not a hall of fame type player, like if he's an all NBA player and you, and you drafted him number one, like you did a pretty good job. Um, and just the way that it works, with being able to extend guys and maintain control, there's there's no chance that they hit the fast forward button and try to try to do anything like that. Pat, you're the best. Enjoy the finals. Look forward to your your next uh, hit on Stadium. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Doug. All right, that's Pat Garrity, former front office analyst for Stadium Sports. Be sure to catch live editions of the Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, nine a.m. Pacific. 
Hey gang, this is Jay Glazer, host of Unbreakable, a mental health podcast. And each week, we try to help turn our mental health issues into mental wealth. And we dive in with everyone from the world of sports and entertainment, like Sean McVay, Lindsey Vaughn, Michael Phelps, David Spade, Guy Fieri, and also those who can help us in between the ears. Anyone from a therapist to someone like Ed Milet or John Gordon. So each week, listen to Unbreakable with Jay Glazer, a mental health podcast, an iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get podcasts. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The 82-game preseason is in the books. It's finally time for the real season. Don't miss out on any of the NBA playoff action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. From the play-in tournament through the finals, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered with same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and more. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. The code is HERD. New customers bet five and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. 200. That's code HERD only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise set several generations after the last installment in which apes are the dominant species. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike and embark on a journey that will redefine the planet. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Doug Gottlieb in for Collins, The Herd. Fox Sports Radio, iHeartRadio app. Ooh, this is a good one. This is a good one. Good one. Right? Don't you love the juicy details of a breakup? What'd he say? And then what'd she say? And then what'd he say? And then what'd she say? Right? Well, that's what we have in The Athletic. Uh, Matt uh, Schneidman covers the Packers for the Athletic. And he detailed the breakup and breakdown of the relationship between Aaron Rodgers and Brian Gunnikens, essentially Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. He talked to Aaron Rodgers. Like Aaron Rodgers kind of took him through what happened after Jordan Love was drafted, for example. Did I want to, Rodgers said, years down the line go, well, if we had just taken somebody who could impact our team because we had just gone to the NFC Championship game, yeah, of course, Rodgers said of the Packers' decision to draft love. I don't think any competitor would say anything different. So Rodgers is trying to make it out that it wasn't that they drafted Jordan Love. It's that, hey, they just went to the NFC Championship game and everyone knows that if you draft a quarterback, 
Like it's a, in order for him to play, Aaron has to sit. So, and that wasn't happening and it was a future selection. So he wouldn't like, you know, he wouldn't T Higgins, for example, was available taken in the first, second round. It would have helped the green Bay Packers. Uh, according to a source associated with the team who was granted anonymity to candidly discuss the sensitive dynamics between the front office and the star quarterback early in the 2021 offseason. Dunn, Rogers' agent, called uh, Mark Murphy to request one of two things, trade Rogers or fire Brian Gunnikunst. Murphy did neither. Months later, news broke that Rogers wanted out of Green Bay, but the Packers held firm. It goes to the 2021 offseason. Okay, so this is obviously not last year. It's the previous year. Okay, so in the previous year, remember that's when he was holding out. That was when he didn't know if he wanted to come back, what was going on. Um, after the first practice of camp, Rogers aired his grievances, saying he wanted changes to the organization's communication and culture. According to Rogers, the communication between he and Gutenkunst improved, but, quote, it still wasn't anywhere near what I've already already enjoyed here with the Jets in just a few short weeks. Right? So the Jets in a new relationship, they want to be open, honest, full lines of communication. According to the source, the next offseason, this is last year's last offseason. The Packers weren't satisfied with Rogers commitment and effort. Right? Not only during voluntary OTAs, but day-to-day basis afterwards, Rodgers takes exception to the thought that the team wanted more from him in the months after giving him the richest contract in NFL history. When I'm in, I'm all in. You just want to ride or die with off-season workouts. I won the MVP without doing off-season workouts like my commitment level uh, was any less than. I, I, I'd, I'd say not at all. The way I came back to work, not just physically in good shape, but mentally refreshed is the thing that for me was the reason I was able to have the season I wanted to in Green Bay. Uh, you fast forward to this offseason and Gunnikunst and Rogers agreed to meet in person in Southern California where Rogers lives in the offseason. Gunnikunst was traveling in January to the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl. They never con- connected. And this is that story that many people have talked about that uh, there was a disconnect because the Packers wouldn't FaceTime him. Quote, I have zero or one bar at the house. This is Aaron Rodgers. So you call me. Sometimes it goes through. Most times it doesn't go through. Everybody who knows me knows when I'm out West, they know how to get a hold of me. So you can say whatever you want, but that's the effing truth. Before I went into darkness, I hit him up and said, here's some stuff swirling around here. We should get together, you, me, and Matt. Did Brian text me more than I texted him? Yeah, but did I ghost him? No, I texted him back and there was back and forths that we had. And so this is the story that you want to go with. You're going to stand on this hill of austerity and say, arguably in the conversation, the best player in your franchise history, you're going to say, I couldn't get a hold of him. And that's why we had to move on. Like, come on, just tell the truth. You wanted to move on. You didn't like the fact that we didn't communicate all the time. Listen, uh, I, I, I talk to the people that I like. I mean, Aaron Rodgers contradicts himself and tells you who he really is in all of these statements. Like first, he's like, look, man, I want open lines of communication. They won't try to communicate with you. 
you didn't want to communicate back with them. And your defense is, I communicate all the time with the people I like. I didn't like Brian Gunnikunst. I didn't like him. And so there was, this thing was over two years ago, three years ago when they drafted Jordan Love. There's no way you can read this article in which Aaron Rodgers defends, they wanted me to show up for OTAs. I need to be refreshed. Like, it's not all about you. Rodgers is probably right. It probably is refreshing to get away, to go on a trip, to go hiking, to go find yourself. But when you're trying to involve new wide receivers and have a new connection and be one with the team and be connected, you got to be there. You got to be there. It's like they say about parenting. Most important thing about parenting is just showing up. Most important thing about relationships is open lines of communication. And Roger's saying, I want to communicate, but I communicate plenty with the people I like. Tells you he didn't like Brian Gunnikens, so he communicated as much as was needed in order to keep the, uh, in order to keep um, some form of relationship going. Want more Herd? The Herd streams 24 hours a day, seven days a week within the iHeartRadio app. Search Herd to listen live or on demand whenever you'd like. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.